When you are feeling stressed, anxious, or down, what do you do? What do you turn to to feel better? Are your default stress responses helping or hurting you? For example, are you more susceptible to temptation when you are upset? Are you more easily distracted or perhaps more likely to procrastinate when you're feeling bad? How you respond makes a tremendous difference in your quality of life. And here's why. According to scientific research, the brain, it turns out, is especially susceptible to temptation when we are, quote, feeling bad, end quote. Scientists know this because they've come up with some pretty clever ways of putting lab subjects, both rodent and human, under stress and watching what happens. The results are always the same. Stress leads to cravings. How so? Neuroscientists say that this happens because stress shifts the brain to a reward-seeking state. Stress hormones increase the excitability of, think of it sort of like turning on or activating, your dopamine neurons. And your dopamine-powered reward system convinces you that the targeted reward is the only way you will ever feel better. Nothing else will do. Dopamine takes over and the goal to feel better trumps the goal of self-control. Dr. Daniel Gilbert, a Harvard professor of social psychology and author of Stumbling on Happiness, has some fascinating insights on this idea of what will make us happier. He says, everyone knows that, generally speaking, people want to be happy. And all the other things that we want are typically meant to be a means to that end. If you've ever tried to store a very high-resolution photo or video on a computer or phone, then you already know that the higher the resolution, the more space is required. And yet, as Dr. Gilbert points out, our brains take millions of snapshots, record millions of sounds, and add smells, taste, textures, a continuous running commentary, and a lot more. And they do this all day, every day, year after year, storing these representations of the world in a memory bank that just seems to never fill up or overflow. And yet, somehow, our brains still allow us to recall at a moment's notice that legendary day in sixth grade when blah, blah, blah happened. It's astonishing. So how does it do it? Did God design our brains with some sort of divine data compression method that simply eclipses modern storage by infinite leaps and bounds? Well, probably. But there's also a human biological side to the explanation. We simply take shortcuts. The elaborate narrative of your experiences aren't stored in memory the way that a high-res video is stored on your phone or computer. In other words, memories aren't stored in their entirety. Instead, they are disassembled, reduced to a few critical bits of data, such as a summary phrase or a small set of key features, and then stored. And later, when we want to remember our experience, our brains quickly reassemble the narrative by filling in the blanks, those event-specific details, 
with the most reasonable facsimiles already stored elsewhere in your brain, not by actually retrieving those specific and detailed narratives. And it does this so quickly and efficiently that we have no idea it's even happening. That's how we look back. Now, we use the same basic trick when we look forward. When we imagine what will make us happy in the future, we simply fill in the blanks with whatever our brains think is reasonable, and this tendency can cause us to misimagine the future. But, and here's the really tricky part, what the brain uses to fill in the blanks isn't nearly as prone to those critical errors as the details that it decides to leave out. And, of course, we never even consider that the details we're failing to imagine could drastically alter the conclusions we draw about the future and about what will make us happy. Another issue at work here is the fact that because of how the brain allocates resources and energy, imagining what will make us truly happy in the future may not, in fact, be allowed by parts of the brain that are consumed by what's happening in the moment. For example, have you ever noticed how hard it can be to feel good about an imaginary future when we're busy feeling bad about an actual present? It's difficult for our future-oriented, values-driven mind to get a word in edgewise because the part of the brain which does the projecting is busy analyzing the present and that analysis is triggering a response from our impulsive mind. That's because the gloom-induced stress lets dopamine keep us laser-focused on what we imagine will bring us relief and make us happy right now. Now, as I talked about in previous episodes, whenever you're under stress, your impulsive, instant gratification mind is going to point you toward whatever it thinks will make you happy now. Neuroscientists have shown that stress, including negative emotions, turns the brain into a reward-seeking missile, and you become convinced that the reward is the only way to get relief and feel better. That feeling is powered by dopamine, and it points us in the wrong direction, away from clear-headed wisdom and toward our least helpful instincts. We're drawn or misdirected again and again and again to coping strategies that just simply don't work. Now, according to the APA, that's the American Psychological Association, the most commonly used strategies for dealing with stress are also the least effective stress relief strategies. Things like gambling, shopping, smoking, drinking, eating, playing video games, surfing the internet, binge-watching TV or movies. These things all activate the brain's dopamine reward system, those heat-seeking missiles, to create the promise of relief. But it's usually a false promise. You won't experience relief and you won't feel better. Instead, we often talk ourselves out of doing the very thing that will really make us feel better. So, Where we turn for relief matters a lot. If we want to avoid such dopamine-induced willpower failures, we need to find a way to feel better that doesn't require turning to temptation. 
Also, according to the APA, some good stress relief strategies include attending a religious service, exercise or playing sports, reading, listening to music, spending time with friends and family, getting a massage, going outside for a walk, creative hobbies. But, and again, this amazingly enough is according to the APA, one of the most effective stress relief strategies is, wait for it, prayer. So to recap, when you're feeling stressed, anxious, or down, what do you do? What do you turn to to feel better? If your impulsive, dopamine-driven mind gets its way, you'll get laser-focused on the false promise of immediate relief. That promise is false because your brain is only imagining what will help by drawing from highly selective, partial memories, and then filling in the blanks. And it never, ever imagines or fills in the blanks with all the things that could go wrong with that short-term impulsive strategy. So, how do you get off that terror-go-round? The APA says that one of the most effective stress-relieving strategies is prayer. And, of course, this is what the Word of God has been trying to tell us for centuries. Philippians 4, 6 and 7 says, quote, Don't worry about anything but in everything through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses every thought, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And as the Apostle Paul reminds us in 2 Corinthians 10.5, For though we live in the body, we do not wage war in an unspiritual way, since the weapons of our warfare are not worldly, but are powerful through God for the demolition of strongholds. We demolish arguments and every high-minded thing that is raised up against the knowledge of God, taking every thought captive to obey Christ. The war for control between your so-called two minds is ultimately a spiritual war and is best fought with spiritual weapons. In explaining spiritual armor to the believers in Ephesus, Paul concludes by saying in 6.18, Pray at all times in the Spirit with every prayer and request, and stay alert in this with all perseverance and intercession for all the saints. False stress relief strategies, those driven by your impulsive minds, reward-seeking dopamine-powered missiles, will ultimately fail you in every single way. But real stress relievers, the kind that actually work, do so not by releasing dopamine, but by boosting mood-enhancing brain chemicals like serotonin and GABA, G-A-B-A, as well as the feel-good hormone oxytocin. And the best among these type solutions is prayer. Prayer to the God who knows, sees, hears, loves and answers his children. So the next time you're feeling stressed, anxious or down, turn to God in prayer and watch how a really effective stress reliever actually works. Remember, a better mind always leads to a better life.